How can public service media manage and mitigate the cybersecurity threats which they are now facing? These threats, such as phishing, ransomware or online abuse and harassment, are becoming ever more present and real, and they're having an ever greater impact on public service media, both at an organisational and at an individual level. It's seen the cybersecurity team at CBC Radio Canada swell in size over just one decade. Ten years ago, the cybersecurity department was only one person, and ten years later, we're 27. This podcast is a conversation with the people leading the Canadian broadcasters' cybersecurity response. From how they deal with these threats... We are a public broadcaster and we can put in place some defences against uh, some bad actor that would target us, but we can't prevent the audience to accessing our content. To where they see threats developing in the future. Hackers are, are, are using AI to develop new techniques to attack us. We have to use AI as well on our side. I'm Harry Locke and from the Public Media Alliance, this is Media Uncovered. Yeah, I'm Philippe Edmond, I'm the head of cybersecurity at CBC Radio Canada. I'm Anne-Sophie Letellier, and I'm a senior analyst uh, uh, responsible for communication and awareness program at CBC Radio Canada. So, what type of work does a cybersecurity team at a public service broadcaster like CBC Radio Canada actually do? I'm uh, responsible for a team uh, around 27 people. This team is responsible for protecting the information technology assets of the organization, uh, as well as the employees against against uh, cyber threats. We are uh, also managing a lot of cybersecurity uh, solutions to limit uh, the, the, the phishing the attempts in the organization, to, uh, to better protect accounts in the organization, to monitor the social media platforms. We have a set of tools to prevent data from confidential data, for example, to go to be leaked externally and so on and so on. So we have a lot of tools that we manage in order to prevent cyber threats. Uh, monitoring of the network traffic is something that we do as well. So. The full range of uh, the the cybersecurity services, uh, we do it at CBC Radio Canada, for sure. We have to do that. And we invest in cybersecurity. I think it's the key. So the organization is very conscious about the risk related to cybersecurity. And we present uh, every year a status to the board of directors regarding cybersecurity. And they are really, really supportive in that. So I think that's key. On my end, I my responsibility is really taking care of uh, what we call the human risk. So basically, try to put different initiatives in place uh, so that the end user do, I won't say as little mistakes as possible, but I would say that the end user has a the most secure behavior and to try to limit the risk that are linked to human behavior. So that can go from doing phishing campaigns to awareness around different phishing techniques, but it also goes into doing specific trainings for different staff groups, uh, including journalists, to be sure that they are aware of uh, different risks of the internet and the use of different uh, technologies to limit the risk of uh, of cyber attack and data leaks basically. And Sophie if I just if I just stick with you there as a public service broadcaster what what responsibility do you have or do, do you feel that you have for the individuals working for CBC Radio Canada and and I guess particularly you know the the journalists who are often most at risk here. 
Well, us as a corporation and as a department and me as an individual, I mean, we do have different levels of responsibility, but something that is sure is that we don't have control and we shouldn't have the control over everything. So basically, when we're taking care of the human risk, most of the time, it's uh, stuff that, yes, are linked to uh, CBC. So it could be like the corporate email, corporate laptops, but a lot of it also specifically when it comes to journalists and any public facing employee is that they all have their specific and personal accounts that can also put them at risk. So we do not have responsibility over that. But we do try to give them best advice. And this is where the awareness parts comes in. Uh, We don't want to be uniquely implementing rule, but uh, making people more aware of the risk and giving them the right solution so that they can respond to that risk in a way that makes sense for them. Philip, can I ask almost the same question, but but when it comes to being a public broadcaster, what responsibility do you have for, for the organization, I guess, for, for, for everything that comprises CBC Radio Canada um, across all of its output? So um, as a public broadcaster, some people of the audience might see us as uh, the government, and it makes us at some point a target for some bad actor that would like to target the government. So when it comes to cyber threat, for sure, we, we have to, to be realistic about the fact that we, may be, we might be targeted because of that. So we want to put in place specific defenses and we, we want to be conscious uh, on the fact that we are a public broadcaster and we, we can put in place some defenses against uh, some bad actor that would target us, but we can't prevent the audience to accessing our content. So we have a a limit on the possibility that we have to act against the threats against us because some some bad actor could be part of our audience, basically. So that that, that makes it a bit difficult to address sometimes. Are you able to to maybe just take me on a journey over the past sort of 10 years or, or, or that sort of timeline in terms of how have your roles and your and the and the responsibilities and I guess just the the breadth of things that you need to cover how have they developed over over the past sort of few years uh so yeah if i remember uh, if i recall 10 years ago uh, cybersecurity was not a high priority <laughs> Yeah, I was working uh, in, in the cybersecurity field uh, and uh, it was difficult for me to, to convince the, the clients that uh, it's uh, an important uh, topic. But a lot of things happened and uh, there was uh, the Snowden, Snowden situation. There was major cyber attacks in Canada. We had Target. Uh, there was the Ashley Madison uh, cyber attack. And uh, when it comes to the journalism area, there was uh, the discovery of the revelation uh, about Pegasus happened in 2016. So it, it's starting to bring the light on what what's the harm that uh, cybersecurity can do on human beings. And after that, uh, could be starting around 2017 and the, the usage of social media to influence the population. Cybersecurity uh, becomes real concern right now Pegasus, there was a lot of development uh, on Pegasus uh, uh, in, the, in the year after. In 2021, Pegasus was uh, able to be uh, installed on a mobile device by, using, by, by exploiting simply a zero day. 
on an Apple device, for example. There was the pandemic, uh, which made that people were, uh, relate to technology more than before. Hackers exploited a lot of, uh, of those of vulnerabilities to target people. So now it's on the map, I would say. <laughs> and, and Sophie, does that sort of match up with your experience as well? Absolutely. And I think especially when we look at our team here at CBC Radio-Canada, 10 years ago, the cybersecurity department was only one person. And 10 years later, we're 27. So just uh, I think this tells a lot about how of an expansion it has had. So I think that's very interesting to consider. So it is a lot more of a priority. And I think when we look at journalism in a perspective of a public broadcaster, we can see that in the last 10 years, uh, journalists has been constant targets of cyber attacks. So people do want to have access to those data. And also, I think it's important to note that there's also the issues regarding online harassment of uh, public-facing employees. So as people spend more and more time on social media, as social media also become a strategic way for a public broadcaster to be present and reach its audiences, there is an increasing risk of harassment there too. So I think there's uh, really those two big tendencies that are very different. On the one side, the cyber attacks are meant to intercept communication and be more on the discreet side, while online harassment is more in your face and is really meant to intimidate certain people. And Sophie, I was actually wanting to maybe just ask you to speak about the Freedom Convoy and journalist safety, and I guess what what that moment meant, just recognising the real risk to journalists, mental well-being, physical well-being that that moment had? Basically, the Freedom Convoy was something that happened in 2022 in Ottawa. And it was basically a convoy that established themselves in the capital city in order to basically protest the government and the sanitary restrictions. And afterwards, as a public broadcaster, so being seen as that voice, and I will say it in big quotation marks, like of the government, CBC was kind of perceived as the de facto enemy. So like having cars, um, having the CBC logo was a threat. So there was a lot of, uh, there was journalists that needed to like take out the logos to be sure to have more safety while they were on the convoy. And afterwards, there was the online harassment part of it because people like were angry at the CBC. So there was all that social media monitoring that needed to be done to make sure that the journalists that were covering the the convoy that at the beginning was not necessarily considered a very high risk, but it escalated super quickly. We had to put in place a lot more monitoring because of these events. And uh, the monitoring of social media is something that we that that is becoming by default uh, when uh, journalists are uh, deployed in, in such events. And we try to, to really uh, look at who are the threat actors that might be targeting our journalists to better understand the threat and uh, maybe better communicate on the risk and uh, set action plans that we can communicate to the journalists prior to, to the event or during the event. It's For us, it's a real risk. We have to manage that because we know that such events generate harassment to our journalists. 
and and harassment this is a mental health issues at the end of the day so the mental health is an issue we, we absolutely need to manage and it's the way we try to do it right now and aside from the the freedom convoy and and the online abuse and harassment that journalists experience at which i guess that the, the freedom convoy really exposed in that moment what what other threats are you are you seeing being realized uh, across canada well, there has been one case, um, well, a couple of cases in 2016 that we learned that a couple of journalists in uh, Quebec were targeted, had their communication intercepted by a police service. So I think it touched uh, three or four journalists, but nonetheless, it's still important. So basically, their communication were targeted in 2013, and they intercepted their geolocation. They had access to their phone logs, to the text messages. So, so that made a big buzz. And the uh, interesting thing is that while it happened in 2013, we only knew about it in late 2016. So I think that was a, a big chunk of information. And the other part that was really interesting is that all of the communications that were intercepted were intercepted in, uh, and I put quotes here, big, big quotes, um, lawful manner. So basically, it's the police services that did a request to the cell phone provider. And since the cell phone provider has access to that kind of data, they just handed them. So on the one hand, it shows how communication interception can be done in a problematic way, but also in a lawful way. And also that some simple best practices tools like uh, using secure communication, like apps like uh, Signal Messenger or such things could have had prevented that kind of uh, incident. So that was a very, uh, a very clear and uh, parroting changing uh, story here in Canada. It made communication interception very real. Where else are you seeing threats emerge? You know, I guess you, you carry an enormous amount of responsibility. Where, where are you prioritizing? Where are you looking at to try and identify where, as, as a public broadcaster, you might be at risk? So first, uh, yeah, we, we are an organization. First, uh, we are not different as another organization. That's in a sense. So the, the, the first and the, the, the most important threat uh, uh, I'm focused on is the, the ransomware threat. Uh, we have uh, critical infrastructure to protect, to be able to deliver the service to the audience. So we absolutely need to focus on that. We uh, work a lot on, on awareness of uh, our user to, to prevent uh, any phishing to be effective. But hackers are, are also uh, exploiting a lot uh, vulnerabilities on external facing uh, infrastructures. So we focus on vulnerability management a lot for that reason. And uh, for us, the biggest risk is the interruption of the, the broadcast for sure. So that's why we that's why I'm talking about ransomware. And then comes the human risk. When we talk about online harassment here, it's it's a human risk at the end of the day. It's people who are, who are trying to do their job, who are targeted by bad actors and are um, starting to have mental health issues because of that. So we absolutely need to support them by being present when there is a harm and we try to to be proactive the most possible by putting in place measures to assess the risk before they go on the field, for example, 
or while they are working on sensitive topic, we are trying to support them by securing their device, by doing open source intelligence um, investigation on profiles to better understand the threat and better prevent any cyber attack on them. It's an emergent threat for me, and there's not so much solutions to address that right now. So we are we are doing our best. Most of the time, uh, especially, I mean, I will say it like maybe us in cybersecurity, we are very passionate about finding risk and about adopting best practices. But what we need to make sure when we deal with the humans that are on the other side of technology, it's very important that we take into account that we're dealing with employees that have uh, different responsibilities, different levels of literacy, and a different interest in cybersecurity. So an important part of our job is to make the best practices as accessible as possible to reduce the risk. And sometimes that means not giving the absolute best, the most secure, secure, secure solution, but just giving a solution that will work okay and that an employee will be able to implement. I think a very concrete example is how we deal with social media. If we wanted people to face zero risk, then the answer would be, okay, well, please avoid being on social media. But that doesn't make any sense for a journalist because a part of his job is to be online to connect with its audience. So it's about trying to find the right advice that will work with the specific context of a journalist and that it won't restrain him or her from doing their job uh, in a proper way. So it's about finding the solutions that will make cybersecurity best practices as easy and as secure as possible and that won't put too much of a blockage in their day-to-day work. Because if we go towards solutions that may be too complicated, then people have the risk of just ignoring them and then there's no risk management, right? So I think every strategy needs to be strongly anchored in that reality and to get people to adapt their culture, but also adapting ours to fit them. I think I remember you talking about an example with passwords as well and Actually, it's best practice to have a different password for every single different account. But is that realistic? I mean, how many amongst us actually fulfill that, right? Absolutely. Like if you talk to basically any cybersecurity expert, they'll tell you to have a good password. The password needs to be unique. It needs to be long. It needs to be complex and to use a wide variety of characters. So if you ask that to any person and then you're like, oh, also you need to remember them, that is an impossible advice considering that we have so, so, so many accounts. Like people legitimately have like between 50 and 100 accounts, I think realistically in both their professional and personal life. So giving that advice is the best way to like, get dismissed very quickly, even though it is best practice. So when you take that into account and say, okay, we do need people to have secure and robust passwords, but also it's not realistic for us to expect that they'll take the time to learn 50 
different passwords. What do we do to mitigate that risk? And that's how here at uh, CBC, we decided to use a password manager, which is not by any means the most perfect solution because some people will argue that then you're putting all your eggs in the same basket. And then if that get compromised, then you have another set of problem. And that is true. But when you look at the pragmatic kind of things, it'll give us more security to help people have stronger passwords and not forcing them to remember them. So it's just kind of a middle ground between the reality of our employees, our capabilities, and the risks we decide to accept as an organization as well. If I, a couple of months ago, I had a discussion with a security expert on, on that point, and that person was telling me, hey, I remember my password. I don't need a password manager. <laughs> I was okay, but we are passionate about cybersecurity. Well, we are experts in cybersecurity. So yeah, we, we, we are doing efforts to remember all those passwords because we care. But people, most of the people don't do that. They don't feel any, any need to remember their password by themselves. And uh, yeah, we have to, to make sure that we provide easy to use solution. And if we want people to, to do security, we have to provide easy solutions to them. We are asking people to try to understand cybersecurity, but I think if we want them to do that, we need to take a step also to try to understand them in return. So that's a, a two-way street communication. But what I find fascinating is, you, is just your approach here, which is very much putting what is realistic and, and reasonable to ask of, of people who, and, and I think you're very conscious of the fact that people you know, ha- have jobs where they're not able to, or, or, or maybe just don't have the interest in cybersecurity. Uh, and so it's about making sure CBC Radio Canada is as secure as possible while accepting that fact. Just a quick question about realizing where threats come from. How much is each single person able to undermine CBC? I mean, is this sort of a, a huge just pr- pr- problem when it comes to the very subject matter of cybersecurity that actually any individual who works for CBC Radio Canada is at risk and you can provide all these things, but at the end of the day, there are there is some personal responsibility that comes to each individual. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in cybersecurity, uh, we, we used to say uh, security uh, uh, is the responsibility of everyone. So what we do on our side, we, we provide guidance. We try to push people on, on respecting what we, what we ask, but there's a limit on what we can do. People have to do some things on their hand to respect the good practices that we provide. So for sure, we have policies. We have sanctions if an employee doesn't respect the policy. But we ask what we need them to to do on their day-to-day activities is more than only respecting the policy. We need them to understand the reason why they, they have to do that. Now, with those cyber threats targeting humans, targeting their privacy as well, we have really good argument to t- to tell them, okay, what we tell you is something that you should you should apply in your professional life, but it's also good practice for your personal life, because look at what you risk in your personal life if your private data is stolen, for example. 
If you don't want that to happen, you you should adopt those good practices that we provide to you. And it's their responsibility to to have this respected. And then, as a cybersecurity department, we make sure that they do. We measure things as well. We measure the adoption of the practices that we ask them to to respect, and uh, uh, we have to give them feedback. Yeah, that's the way we try to do it. Uh, say, but there is a big responsibility on the on the employee as well because. If the employee doesn't accept, then yeah, there's so much we can do. And and how much buy-in do you get from your your staff when you bring the approach which you do, which is to make it as feasible but secure at the same time? Do, do you find staff are engaged and alert to the the presence of the threat? People are. Engage. Uh, I'm not afraid to say it. People always want to do things when we say it's for security reasons. But then when it comes to, to the adoption of the, of the practice, it's at this moment that we have to be flexible and that we have to remind them that it's for security reasons and that uh, we have to sometimes to find ways to invite them the good way. <laughs> and Sophie, maybe you want to add something on that, on that side. Yeah, I think that especially since the last couple of years, cybersecurity is more and more of a hot topic. So we do have the people curiosity, I think, a bit more by default, which is a lot more easy. But also there's a very real risk of uh, what we call risk fatigue. So people are like very much aware of all the threats on the Internet. But I think one of the issues is uh, maybe not knowing which of them can really be a risk uh, to them. So I think trying to communicate on that is very important. Like for instance, people do risk assessment all the time. Like when you cross a street, you will make a very instinctive risk assessment. I think ideally we would want people to make similar risk assessments for their digital presence because there are risks there. And I think we need to communicate so that people can relate to the adequate risk. If we're in Canada, for instance, if we describe the environmental risk, uh, oh, be careful, always check the sky to see if there is not a bomb coming down, like people in Canada will be like, this makes no sense. I don't need to do that. And we need to like kind of have the, the same approach. When we talk about the internet, we need to put forward risks that might really happen to people and that can be perceived as realistic by those people. And if I may add, uh, Harry, uh, as a, a public broadcaster, I think we, we, we have employees that, are, that really believe in the mission of the public broadcaster. And they really want the, the, the organization to work and to, to provide the services that it's supposed to provide. So we can count on that uh, when we come with security requirements that have to be respected. We can count on, on their support to do the things that we ask. Uh, but there's a limit to what we can ask, and so it's called fatigue at some point. If we ask too much, people won't do it because it's it's too much. If we sort of look ahead now, and, and where do you see risks developing in the future, and what are you doing to sort of stay on top of risks and, and to see how they develop and evolve? AI is, uh, is one of them. <laughs> For sure, we, 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 we look at uh, what's happening and uh, it's already happening. Uh, actually, it's not the future. It's, for me, it's now. Hackers are, are, are using uh, AI to develop new, new uh, techniques to attack us. 
and we are we we have to use AI as well on our side to strengthen our defenses. So for me, it's uh, it's obvious. So AI will be used more than before to maybe craft some 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 phishing emails that are more efficient than before. So it's uh, something we have to to take care of because of that the, the the cyber attacks will become more realistic than before and more efficient. So we have to be conscious about that uh, and um, first thing uh, I think about it'll be a short answer but I think that cybersecurity and the response to cyber threat is a lot about cat and mouse games. So it's about uh, being agile, it's about looking what are the threats out there and thinking of realistic ways. Um, I think that's my thing, just like trying to be realistic about how we can make people adopt best practices, not to respond to all the threats in the universe, but just to respond to uh, the threats that have the highest probability of happening. And Sophie and Philippe, th thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. It's uh, It's been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you, Harry. Uh, <laughs> thank you for, for everything. Many thanks to Philippe and Anne-Sophie for speaking with me for this episode, and we'll be hearing more from them in next month's episode, where I'll be exploring social media and public service media. From Twitter to TikTok, how are public broadcasters balancing the innate value which social media provides for public broadcasters with other concerns, including those cybersecurity risks that they pose? To make sure you don't miss that episode or any future episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you want more information from the Public Media Alliance, you can head to our website, publicmediaalliance.org. There you can sign up to our weekly newsletter and also explore our collection of resources, research and reports. Thanks as ever to Lucas Thompson and Rachel Still for the music, and I'll be back with another episode next month. 